0: because I'm forever doing things that I don't wanna do and feeling things that I don't wanna feel. But this side of heaven, we will never be entirely unburdened. But they're really trying to help and they always make it worse.
1: Dear young married couple, do you have thoughts constantly that you really don't wanna have or feelings that you don't wanna have? Um, This happens to all of us. And today we're gonna be talking about how to move toward your pain Um, and find healing. It's a little counterintuitive because we want to run away from pain, really. But today we're going to talk about how to move toward it.
2: Yeah, and we get to interview Jenna Reimersma. She is the author of a book called Altogether You. It's an internal family systems model that we have used with our clients and have um, recommended this book for the last couple years to our clients. And we know that you will get a lot out of this episode. A little bit about Jenna. She has a master's degree in public policy from Harvard, a master's degree in professional counseling from Richmond. She's IFS certified, level three. Um, She's sex addiction therapist certified. She's an EMDR therapist. Uh, supervisor. I mean, she has so many certifications, has done a lot of study, but most importantly, you're going to see her heart shine through in this episode. She has a heart for people who are hurting and people who are burdened by sin, trauma, and who want to find freedom.
1: Yes. So before we get into the episode, we just want to make you aware that, um, September 16th, which is only a few days from now, we're going to be doing an, um, a monthly live date night where a whole bunch of couples from all over the world get together and we talk about a subject this Friday. We're going to be talking about high drive, the, the drive differences. Mm-hmm. So high drive, low drive, um, almost always within a, in a, inside of a relationship, there is someone who wants sex more than the other person or a different amount of sex, mm-hmm. uh, or frequency. And we're going to be talking about how to solve that in a way that both partners can be um, satisfied, and uh, and find that. Um agreement <laughs>
2: and we have um worksheets for you we have conversation starters and tools for you that all come with that date night it's just 10 bucks you can find the link in the show notes and even if you can't join us live you can come uh, after the fact and watch the replay at a time that works for the two of you so that's this friday 5 p.m pacific september 16th high drive low drive and we hope to see you there it's
1: gonna be awesome
2: Welcome, Jenna Reemers, Mud of the Podcast. We're so thankful that you've chosen to join us today.
0: Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you, Adam and Carissa. Thanks for the invitation.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to what this
2: conversation holds. And I think um, if folks, if you stick around to the end, you're going to find a lot of healing potential to come from here on out. So you're in for a treat.
1: Absolutely. Um, I read your book. And um, it's excellent. And I've given it as an assignment to a lot of people to help them understand uh, their internal world and why they keep doing the things that they don't want to do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the direction that we want to take this conversation.
2: Yes. So, Jenna, when people come to you, you're a therapist, you're a licensed professional counselor. And um, when people come to you and they say, you know, I don't know what's going on inside of me I am you know I have like shifting emotions or I I am just at war within myself or I feel so burdened what are some of the examples that you hear from people of you know what are those burdens that people might bring to you uh, before you guys dive into solutions
0: yeah well i can even start with my own um parts of me that are at war because i'm forever doing things that i don't want to do and feeling things that i don't want to feel and the reality is that is part of being human and it's because we have different parts at war within ourselves Mm -hmm. um i i have one part of me that wants to eat all the oreos and another part of me that wants to go to the gym and those two parts are at war with each other um (laughs) But more, maybe on a, on a more serious note, um, I have lots of clients who come and see me who has, have one part of themselves that acts out with pornography um, yeah. and another part that really loves their spouse and is committed to their faith and feels horrible about it. And they're mm-hmm. coming to see me because these two parts are at war within themselves. Yes. And it turns out that the warring of our inner parts is what creates pretty much all of our suffering
2: yeah yep
1: so i love that you've already dove into parts language is what we call it um help us understand when you you're explaining parts um sometimes there's a backlash to like wait hold on what are you talking about with parts of me want to do like there's a pornography part like what do you mean by that
0: yeah it's a great question and um, they're, this is sort of based in a relatively new model of understanding human behavior called internal family systems therapy, or IFS for short. And it basically just means that we're not just one monolithic person, mm-hmm. but we are all people with many different parts, that that's pretty normal. And so it makes sense that we are one human with many different parts. And in fact, we see this fleshed out on the pages of Scripture in many different situations. Paul famously says, and I think kind of hilariously says, oh, why do I do these things I don't want to do? Like one, <laughs> one of my members wants to eat all the Oreos and another one wants me to go to the gym. Okay, Paul never said that. but um, <laughs> And oh, what a wretched man am I. And James says, hey, people, what is it that is causing all this conflict and warring among you, all these relational problems and fighting? Mm-hmm. Is it not your mm-hmm. desires, your parts at war within you? Mm-hmm. So it seems that first the language seems a little bit different but once we really start to unpack um, this understanding it lines up beautifully with the christian faith
1: yeah it really does i think it it really does but it also really does make sense of our own experience of life because Mm -hmm. i could think of so many so many areas of my life that, you know, I want to read this book, but I really don't want to read this book. I (laughs) want to heal from this, but I really don't want to go through that process. Like very rarely do I have this complete, um, unscattered, uh, will to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's normally there's, there's a war inside that I'm fighting. And sometimes the part of me that I want to win wins, and sometimes it doesn't. Mm
0: -hmm. That's right. That's right. And the beautiful thing about this IFS model is that it is um, a very non pathological way of seeing ourselves. In fact, it Mm. really resonates with the way I've always been told that God sees me, that God Mm. sees us. And what it tells us, and it was discovered, it wasn't developed, it was discovered by a man named Dr. Richard Schwartz who was uh, interviewing his clients and he kept hearing his clients describing having parts at war, um, working with clients who had eating disorders. one part of them wanted to restrict food and the other one wa- parted other part of the client wanted to binge mm-hmm. and those two parts were at war and it literally the result of that war would result in the clients living or dying. Yeah. It was very profoundly serious and he does, He resisted this at first, and then he began to realize this was consistent with all of his clients and, in fact, with himself. Mm -hmm. And he discovered that it's pretty normal. We all have parts. But not only that, when those parts feel heard and honored and respected for what Mm -hmm. they're trying to do, they calm down and they stop taking us over so much. And the magic in this model is that he discovered that when that happened, every single time what emerged um, within every single client without any effort was what he called the self. Because Mm -hmm. when he asked his clients, well, what part of you is that? They would say, well, it's not a part of me. It's it's just myself. It's It's who I am. Mm -hmm. And it is a part that is undamaged, inherently positive, and contains what he called the eight C qualities, things like calm, clear-minded, compassionate, connected, curious, creative, Mm -hmm. courageous. Um, Well, we know that in Christianity to be the God image within us, the Mm -hmm. the very image of the divine that we are told every human being is created with. And sure enough, he wasn't looking for it, but there Mm -hmm. it was. And the beauty of that is that it is not something that we effort into. It's something that's always within us, and we actually surrender into it when Mm -hmm. all the different parts of us feel safe, but we don't always have access to it, kind of like the clouds cover the sun. The sun is always there, but we can't always see it because the clouds cover it, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how our parts act. When our parts take us over, um, they obscure our experience of that calm, clear-minded, compassionate essence within us. And we Mm -hmm. no longer feel that way because we've been taken over by a triggered part of ourselves. And the great news is that God image never goes away. It's Mm -hmm. always within us 100% of the time. And maybe even better news it's always inside of our spouse too <laughs> even when we are in some hardcore conflict it's in there even if we uh, we really are not interacting with it in the moment um, so it's a really fundamentally positive um, non-judgmental non-pathological view of mm-hmm. us as human beings that really lines up with what I have always been taught is how God sees me that there is yeah. an image of God. There is this divine essence within all of us.
2: Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. And we're big fans of IFS and specifically your approach to doing IFS within um, the counseling setting and even in our own relationship. One big challenge that we hear um, and we've discussed ourselves um, that, you know, like from a theological perspective is. The idea that we're born into sin and shaped in an iniquity yes. and you know that so when when from a humanistic perspective people say like well we're inherently good you yeah. know and and i hear you saying that's the god image in us that is yes. inherently good um yes. but how do you rectify that with the you know the idea that we are born into sin that we are you know sinful in our nature
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And I unpack it in a lot of detail, the theology and the hermeneutics of that question, because I think we do need to understand that or we really can't, you know, drop into this compassionate way of viewing ourselves. And what I would, um, what I explain in the book, and I'll give a very high level of that here, is that the God image inside of us cannot definitionally be damaged or tarnished because it is the very image of the divine. So it Mm -hmm. is not consistent for the image of God to be within me and for that to be damaged. But we all have many different parts. And if you look at uh, pre-fall, if, if, if it, You know if you will Uh, Mm -hmm. the way we were designed to be is that we have this god image leading us and we have these many different parts of ourselves that lead that um comprise our unique personalities Mm -hmm. so i'm a one on the enneagram i have a really organized part Um, My -hmm. husband is uh, ADHD as the day is long. He does not have an organized part, but he does have a sales (laughs) part. He loves to sell stuff. He does that for a living. Uh If I had to sell stuff, we would be homeless. I do not have a sales (laughs) part. So we all have this unique personality. And all of these parts of us were created to be unburdened. Uh They bring wonderful, unique things to our Mm -hmm. inner worlds. They make us a unique creation. Mm. So that's all well and good pre-fall. Yeah, But what happens in the fall is that it is as if, uh, if you want to visualize our parts almost as little, you know, a, a little person, let's say one, let's say my organized part is a little person or maybe a playful part. It's as if what happens is like a blanket is thrown over the top of it. Mm. And it isn't that my playful part, has gone anywhere. it's still there. It still holds this inherently positive quality of playfulness, but it's been it's been trapped now under this blanket or what we call in ifS a burden mm-hmm. uh, that results from things not being the way that they should be. That's mm-hmm. the definition of sin. Mm-hmm. and um, in in clinical language, we call that trauma, meaning, yeah bad stuff happens to us, mm-hmm. um, or good stuff doesn't happen to us that we needed, attunement, right. attachment, safety, love. Mm-hmm. And our parts become burdened with the burden of sin. Yeah. And when that happens, they lose access to their inherently positive qualities. They are st- mm-hmm. It's still there, but it's like under this blanket, metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking. And healing involves Getting those parts to connect to the God image in a secure inner attachment relationship and allowing the God image to be with those hurting parts of us. And Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful because that's really the name of God, Emmanuel, God with us, all Mm -hmm. parts of us, especially the parts inside of us, and unburdening those parts or taking the blanket off, if you will, the blanket of trauma, and they are restored then to the essence of who they truly are. And that mm-hmm. we talk about all the time, this encounter with the divine, it literally changes our essence. We no longer feel shame is our identity. It is now res- re- restored back to playfulness. Mm-hmm. And that is transformational. And it is, it is consistent across scripture. But this side of heaven, we will never be entirely unburdened. We will always have parts that carry this burden of sin. And we are born into that because we are born into this legacy of, quote, sin, or what I would say, trauma. Mm -hmm. And we have burdened parts. And the longer we live, the more our parts become burdened, because stuff happens in the world. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And those burdened parts get triggered and take us over. And we feel like we are those parts. We have Our vulnerable parts in the model are called exiles. They carry the things like shame, fear, powerlessness, um, you know, sense that my feelings and needs don't matter. I'm broken. Something's wrong with Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And then we have other parts that take on burdens to try to protect us from Mm -hmm. the feelings of our exiles. We have proactive protectors that we call those managers. They try to manage our lives so we never feel the pain of the exiles. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff like controlling, people-pleasing, perfectionism, spiritualizing is a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our inner critic is a proactive manager. Mm. Um, and then when that doesn't work and we do get flooded with shame or hopelessness or powerlessness or fear, um, then our firefighters jump in and their job is to put out the fire of the exile feelings And those are all the things that come into my office and those are things like all the addictions, (laughs) self-harm, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, dissociating, binge eating, all the things that jump in after we feel the pain to try to put out the fire. Mm -hmm. And what's transformational about this way of understanding how we work is that this idea that all parts of us are good underneath the blanket of the, the stuff they've gotten stuck with, the feelings or the behaviors, is a fundamentally positive part that's trying to help us not feel pain. Mm-hmm. But the blanket that's over the top of them, the burden that they're carrying, the sin is the problem, yeah. not the part. Mm-hmm. So the part that is, let's say, designed to connect intimately with, with the spouse um, may have gotten stuck under a blanket of viewing pornography compulsively, yeah. mm-hmm. and has lost access to that ability to show up wholeheartedly and connect an intimate relationship with their beloved, not because it isn't there, but because it's gotten stuck under this trauma burden. And it's not because the person's a bad person, but certainly yeah. the behavior is not great. We don't we don't want that, we want to help yeah. it. Yeah. Um, But what we tend to do in most of our life is to move against that part, try to kick it out, you know, pathologize it, diagnose it, all the things. And that tends to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we cannot and we don't want to get rid of any of our parts. Mm -hmm. Um, The the reverse is really how Jesus moved in the world, and that is to move toward Mm -hmm. um, and unburden. And heal the part jesus is a move toward kind of god jesus moved toward the lepers moved toward the storm moved toward the prostitutes moved toward the cross and transformed everything and that's really the essence of what we're doing in this work is we're bringing that move toward love and compassion to all parts of ourselves so Mm -hmm. good
1: so good that was like a super fast move right through all the <laughs> and there's so much there to unpack so, so i i um i know a person that is a perfectionist <clears throat> and they're trying to understand their perfectionism mm-hmm. and of course we know that this can definitely be a part yes. um, could you talk just kind of maybe using that cuz i think so many people can relate to Here. that you know how does that show up for people how do they maybe try to solve it Mm. themselves Uh because you you probably see this all the time in your work like how would you start so somebody comes into your office how would you start unpacking that with them
0: yeah, I love that question. And I can't personally relate to that at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Never. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, is that. Why
1: is that why your book is so great?
0: <laughs> hypothetically, a friend of mine might struggle with that. So hypothetically... Um, Uh, If I had some experience with that, which I do, um, (laughs) let me give you a little backstory of of my own life experience and how that causes these parts to form and how that informs how they can heal. So I was born into um, a military family um, with some very strong personality um, with parents and very uh, lots of love and a very... um, uh kind of high standard of perfectionism. So mm-hmm. everything it really needs to be perfect. And we're gonna, if we're gonna go to school, it needs to be the best school. If we're gonna get a <laughs> job, it needs to be the best job. All the things. Because
1: you're the best.
0: Because yes. And you're when you're gonna an only, be the best. <laughs> and when you're an only child, you really, really better be the best because ah. they've only got one shot. Mm-hmm. And um so I really and of course all of that is Just very lovingly, you know, offered up. And the message that I took away from that was that um, I'm not good enough. I Mm. had an exile that formed a young part of me that got, again, covered over with a blanket, Mm -hmm. um, so to speak, using that Mm -hmm. metaphor. And the the young part of me um, got covered over with this idea that I'm not good enough. You know, Mm -hmm. I am not the very best of anything. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not perfect enough. And so um, my pretty good felt like a failure. So I developed this inner exile that lost access to its inherently positive quality, which is I am enough. Mm -hmm. And I got trapped under this belief and feeling and emotion that I am not enough. Mm -hmm. And that's super painful. If you've ever had that experience and when this part of me gets triggered, it's just like the cloud covers the sun, my calm, clear-minded, compassionate, you know, curious self, totally I lose access to. And suddenly I feel like I am this exile. That's what happens when our parts flood us. I feel like I am not good enough. I feel the physical sensations of that part. I think the thoughts of that part. I feel the feelings of that part. And it's awful. Yeah. And so other parts of me, of course, the solution to that is to bring that pain to the God image within me um, that mm-hmm. connects to the, the broader God outside of me mm-hmm. and find healing for it. But I didn't know how to do that. Nobody told me anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so other parts of me looked around in panic and said, oh, we can't be having this, this feels awful. And they took on jobs that were not who they intrinsically were so my do it well part that is naturally designed with a desire to do things well Mm -hmm. got a blanket thrown over it Mm -hmm. um, that is do it perfectly Mm -hmm. right and there's a big difference there because do it well is i'll bring my best effort and if i make a mistake it's okay it's not it's not the end of the world Um, but i can try hard and bring you my best effort and release release the outcome when it got trapped under this burden of perfectionism, the job of the perfectionism is to stay in charge, to take me over and do everything perfectly so that this exile of I'm not enough doesn't get triggered. Mm -hmm. So notice now I have no access to the God image inside of me because my perfectionism part feels like it has to be running the show. It's, it's running my life all the time. And the problem for all of our burdened parts is they are trying to help and they're always making it worse. And that's true whether it's a firefighter that's cutting or sleeping with prostitutes or doing meth, or whether it's a manager that is volunteering for VBS out of a burdened trying to do it right or doing things perfectly, they look very different, Mm -hmm. but they're really trying to help and they always make it worse.
1: We'll be right back to the interview, but first, we wanted to share something that we are really excited about.
2: So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't
1: prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night
2: and monthly live date night is every month on a friday night for 90 minutes 60 minutes it, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick and then 30 minutes we do a q a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage your intimacy And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too.
1: So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details.
0: All right, back to the interview. So my perfectionist will try and try and try and try and try and get very exhausted. And at some point I won't do it perfectly. Right. And when that happens my exile floods, I get totally overwhelmed with this. Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. I really am a failure. I really am not good enough. And then of course my firefighters have to jump in, right? Because I'm in pain and they're like, hey, we can't be having that. And so my firefighter will jump in. And my particular firefighter is get small. Mm. So Mm. just disappear, like stop talking, get small, close down, you know, um, just kind of cave in. And if no one can see you, they can't see how not good enough you are. Mm. That's my particular firefighter. And so after a while, that firefighter will calm down again. And now the perfectionist will take over again. And we wind up chasing these three, just chase each other around and around in a circle. And every time they go around that circle, there's more pain and they get more entrenched in their behavior. So usually when someone like me shows up and says, oh my goodness, I need to stop with this perfectionism, mm-hmm. um, we have strategies to kind of make it stop or kick out the perfectionism or you know, get, get in control of it. And the beauty of my faith tradition and the beauty of IFS is that we seek to get in relationship, not to get in control. Mm-hmm that the healing comes from the connection not the control Mm. and so notice when we try to control these burdened parts i should stop being a perfectionist i should stop looking at porn i should quit cutting i should you know um go on a diet uh (laughs) it doesn't work it most of the time makes it worse Shames. Because yes, and now, of course, the pain of the exiles is what's driving the behavior in the first place. So we've actually just made more reason for the part to have to work harder. And in fact, just like when Jesus came to earth and said, hey, people, hating on these people who aren't doing it right is actually not the solution. The solution is to love them. Mm-hmm. Same thing inside of us. The solution is, from an IFS perspective, and I believe from a gospel perspective, to bring the love of the divine to these hurting parts. Mm-hmm. And so I that is how we do this trauma healing work in therapy, is we welcome these parts. We're not ever saying what they're doing is good. It's not. Okay. Mm-hmm. But their heart is good, and we witness them and help them to unburden out of the relationship, connection, the healthy attachment to the divine, the God image within us. And when those parts can, what we call unburden or the God image removes the blanket off of the top of them, Mm -hmm. they're, they are able now to access once again, their inherently positive quality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a moving toward rather than a moving against
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that is a game changer because yeah. most of how we try to control our behavior the parts of us ourselves and the parts of others that we don't like is to move against it mm-hmm. and you don't have to look too far within our own selves or our own relationships or quite honestly our own political system or world geo- geopolitical uh, experiences to realize that moving against makes everything worse. Yeah. and the wildly counterintuitive solution is to move toward. And it turns out it's exactly the same thing Jesus said and it didn't make the Pharisees very happy. <laughs> right Because when your strategy is move against the bad stuff mm-hmm. and only do it perfectly, yeah move toward is going to rock your world. And so again, good. yeah sorry
2: yeah no, no, go ahead yeah you're yeah. passionate about it obviously <laughs> i love
0: it yeah just just with the caveat again um that it what we're not saying is that the the feelings or the behaviors are good or okay right. they're not we're not saying hey anything goes that's not it but what we are yeah. saying is the most effective way to heal is to love
1: yeah 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 you know it's really interesting um reflecting back Uh, years ago um, you know we all know as Christians we're supposed to pray Mm -hmm. and you hear that in sermons and you know you have to have a personal relationship with God and you know being a young kid it wasn't super interesting for me to you know have a prayer life just because I didn't have a great I didn't have a personal relationship with God so to speak and so after a while I developed the shame of hey you don't have a relationship with God like you know you don't really love God and so I had this barrier to praying because now I had these parts involved is saying you're not enough you're not praying and so shame always separates it always isolates it always pushes you away yeah. so when I showed up for prayer it was this duty but also this kind of like oh, I'm here again and this so it wasn't a I'm I wasn't, not measuring up yeah, well, yeah I'm not measuring up I'm not yeah. good enough mm-hmm. yeah. but when I finally moved toward that and said wait hold on we're talking about a relationship, not a, you know, not not some sort of thing I have to do because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, you know, it's not like, it's not a painful thing to do. It's yeah. it's a wonderful thing. It's like I don't, I don't uh, fear connecting with my wife, even if it's been a day or two. I, I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And so shifting that perspective and moving toward it, rather than trying to control my way into it made all the difference Mm -hmm. for me
0: and so yeah
1: if people can get that yeah Yeah. if people can get that moving toward it and trying to understand it yeah Mm -hmm. and loving it like jesus rather than pointing your finger of Mm. you're not enough because you're not measuring up Mm -hmm. they can really see this transformation you're talking about
0: yeah yes yeah yes what
2: would you say, Jenna, to the person who says, "Okay, I can see trying to find the good part underneath the, you know, the burdened issue of perfectionism or the burdened issue of, you know, not praying"? Um, but maybe the person who says, "I have a hard time seeing what is the good part underneath the, um, you know, the chase after pornography yeah. uh, addiction." Um, maybe someone who is involved in domestic violence. Yeah, there
1: can't, there can't be anything good there.
2: Yeah. So they're like, man, the answer is flee youthful lusts. And just, you know, just stop it. <laughs> flee stop temptation. It. Stop, it. <laughs> stop it. How, yes. how do you kind of coach that person along to finding what is that good underneath? How can I move toward that and not away from it?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful question. And I think it's an important one because, um, it's in my experience, we kind of have a scale and we have the okay sins, quote unquote, and the not okay sins. So yeah. like my perfectionism and my coveting my neighbor's nice house, like that's an okay <laughs> sin, but like killing my neighbor, that one, no, that's, that's not a so bad sin. You know, we've got the okay sins and the not, yeah. you know. Yeah, and um, we sort of divide these into like, oh well, I can move toward that, but holy moly, not that. And uh, I get it because the consequences of these parts are not the same. Yeah, the consequences of uh, being a perfectionist are not at all the same as the consequences of cheating right. on a spouse. Yeah, and I think that's really important. We so there's two things. Just because all parts are well-intentioned and good underneath the blankets that they've taken on does not mean that what they're doing or feeling is good or okay. And it doesn't mean the consequences of all of those are the same, they're not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the ones that tend to be the hardest to see the good for most people are the ones that have the highest consequences. So homicide, suicide, cutting, um, cheating, Mm -hmm. the the kind of addictions yeah addictions absolutely and of course those are all the ones that come into my office and why I love what I do so much is because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt it is not just an intellectual knowing I know in my gut I've been doing this for so long I've never met a part and I don't believe they exist that is not a positive good part but I've certainly met a lot of parts of a lot of people myself included that are carrying very damaging blankets or burdens of sin or trauma Mm. and what we can know. And I can give you just some, some examples. Um, Let's say, because I work a lot with affair recovery and betrayal trauma and sexual addiction. Yeah, Talk about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because it's just so prevalent in our culture. And I totally. And what what is very typical, this is certainly not every experience, but many, many clients come in and what's happened is there is an exile or more than one exiles that have emerged from some type of attachment trauma. So there was maybe abuse or neglect or um, divorce uh, or... Uh, parents were physically present but had impossibly high standards or um, were were just emotionally completely absent. You know, there was no um, no emotional connection, even mm-hmm. though there were parents in the home and food and you know all the needs were provided for. There's mm-hmm. a variety of ways that we can develop these attachment traumas yeah. that create exiles inside of us. Mm-hmm. And those exiles wind up carrying things like, um, something's wrong with me. Like if dad left, I must be bad. Or mm-hmm. if mom is you know, sober and is a good mom and then mom's drinking and is a scary mom, it must be my fault. Mm. Um, something's wrong with me, I'm bad. And so there's this break in the God-given need, need for attachment. And what happens is often um, uh, one of the two earliest ways that young ones can cope when things are out of control in the home or they're not getting their needs met, well, your body is right there. Mm -hmm. So pleasurable touching of the body or stumbling across pornography Um, creates this immediate self-soothing, like this discovery of, oh, this helps me feel better for a minute. And the brain will hardwire to that very quickly. When I'm hurting, I can do this. When I feel not good enough, I can do this. And then I feel chosen and good enough and desirable just for a split second. Um, So the body is one thing, which is why I think we see so much sexual acting out. And food. Um, Food is another one. Um, And dissociating is a third. And those are Mm -hmm. things that young ones can get access to, um, to escape or numb or soothe difficult situations. Now, Mm -hmm. understanding it does not mean it's okay. So in other words, to betrayed spouses, just because this makes sense does not mean that it's a, it's a rationalization or it's Mm -hmm. okay. But this is often how that evolves. And so that Self soothing or desiring of connection um, emerges where we, a part takes on the role, um, gets covered with the blanket of repetitively seeking pornography or sexual acting out partners or whatever it might be to get mm-hmm. that short dopamine high that mimics true intimacy and connection for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's highly, highly addictive. Um, but another part, has taken on a counter role to avoid the true intimacy of not, of not getting too close um, to others, too emotionally connected because that was scary and is triggering to the exile. So there's an emotional distance or a sexual kind of anorexia in the coupleship mm-hmm. and a sexual acting out Outside of the coupleship, very common, it's polarized parts that are trying to help in opposing ways and always making it worse. Mm -hmm. And so, what I know is that if someone comes to my office and they have a part that's gotten stuck compulsively seeking pornography, that I can ask that part, you know, okay, where do you notice that in your body when it shows up? Oh, you know, my heart starts racing, whatever it might be. Great, let's just welcome that. Can you ask that part what it wants you to know about itself? When did it first learn how to try to help you by looking at pornography? That's the golden question right there. Yeah. Yeah. Usually memories are going to come up from an earlier time in life when that, the first time that created some soothing and -hmm. this part got stuck in that role. And then we can ask the part, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't take me over and make me look at porn? And typically, the part is going to give us a sense, obviously, we're not hearing voices or anything, but it'll give us the sense of, well, then I'm afraid you'd really be all alone. Mm. Mm -hmm. And no one actually wants you or loves you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a game changer in how we view that part. What it's doing is not okay. It has major consequences. It's definitely harming the the very person who that individual deeply most wants to not hurt. Mm-hmm. And it has a very positive intent. It's gotten yeah. stuck. And mm-hmm. we can help it get unstuck with compassion rather than control.
1: And le- And teach that part to turn toward healthy sources of connection rather than damaging sources of connection
0: well the beautiful thing is that we don't have to teach that part Mm. that part intrinsically knows how to connect intimately it's underneath the blanket so when that part unburdens it spontaneously has access to the ability to connect intimately So the beauty of this is it is not like skill building or I have to figure out how to do this right. It is, it's what we call in IFS a constraint release model. In other words, we are not trying to add something that's missing. We are trying to release what's already there. So it's very much like the famous Michelangelo quote where somebody walked by, he's sculpting in the marble, and they said, hey, Mick, what you doing, buddy? And he said, "Um, I'm releasing the angel that's trapped in the marble. Mm -hmm. And it's the same idea there is something inherently positive there we're removing the trauma or the sin so that what is there can shine can be what it was designed to be so we're not teaching these parts how to do what they were designed to do we are freeing them to embody it it's really quite beautiful yeah Mm. wow so good last kind of
2: uh concept to throw at you here before we close the interview um We can see the application to um, maybe a couple who's working through the example you gave, uh, a breach in trust um, through pornography or some sort of sexual acting out. Um, what about the couple who maybe hasn't experienced a breach in trust like that, but just the everyday Mm -hmm. conflict that they go through, maybe they find themselves just escalating quickly, not seeing the God image in each other. (laughs) How would you guide them? Um, I know this would probably take a few sessions to kind of unpack, but how would you guide them just in, in a, a summary, um, toward seeing that God image in each other?
0: Oh, Carissa, I love that question. And I have a simple but not easy answer to that. Okay. (laughs) So what we know is that when we are in our God image, we will always feel calm, clear-minded, courageous, compassionate, all of these things Mm. connected. When we're not feeling that, we are in a part. Mm. So we have a really quick check to determine, am I in my own God image? How am I feeling toward my spouse? If I'm not feeling calm, connected, whatever, um, then I'm not in my God image, I'm in a part. And similarly, we can sense when someone else is in a part because they will not be presenting as calm, curious, clear-minded, compassionate, connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what, what universally happens with couples when we get in these repetitive cycles of conflict is that they are entering into the cycle of conflict from their parts. So a part takes them over, and of course it's trying to help and it always makes it worse. Mm -hmm. So it might be an angry part, or it might be a blaming part, or it might be a withdrawing part, or it might be a petulant part, or it might be a persuading part. Don't you see how hard this is for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And what happens is our parts develop relationships with each other. So much so that if you've been married a little while, you can actually see your spouse walk through the door. (laughs) You know the expression on their face is not their self, (laughs) their God image, you know the part and your part jumps up and you've already had a conflict and nobody's even said a word. Our parts come into relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. And when we are in our God image, we can resolve literally any conflict. And I mean literally any conflict. Mm Um, We we have biggies that come into my office and we can resolve those and we can set and hold healthy boundaries from that God image place, but not from our parts, not from our burdened parts. And um, so one skill, if I had to offer newly married couples, one skill that I wish I had had 30 years ago um, when I first got married was the ability to speak for our parts rather than from them. Mm. To speak on behalf of our parts from our God image, which is a lot easier said than done, rather than letting them take us over and speaking from them. And so I'll give you an example of what that would sound like. If a, a spouse was taken over by an angry part, They might speak from it by saying, you stupid, low-down, lily-livered, son of a slithering snake. I can't believe what is the matter with you, blah, 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 blah.
1: You've never heard that before, right? I've
0: never heard that before, no. And of course, in the partner that's on the other end of that angry part, They are likely to either get also an angry part up, and then that's going to get pretty explosive pretty fast, or they're likely to get a withdraw and shut down part Mm -hmm. that comes up, right? In either event, we now have a warring of the parts, and no one has a God image on board. Notice the difference between that and speaking for an enraged part, which would sound like this. Honey, I need to let you know that a part of me feels enraged by the comment that I just heard you made, that, mm-hmm. that I just heard you make. Um, it, this part of me receives that as insensitive and careless, and it really hits home with the part of me that feels like I don't matter to you. Wow, that's a whole different ball wax. Not only am I in my self-image speaking on behalf of those parts, speaking for them and representing them well, right? And in faith traditions, we call this being led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. In IFS, we call this being Mm self-led, right? It's the same thing. It, don't let the word self throw you, because self in a lot of faith traditions has a really negative connotation, like right. fleshly or sinful. It's not that right. kind of self. It just means the God image. Good. Um, and uh, self invites self and parts invite parts.
2: Oh, yes
0: it's like a tuning fork. There's a resonance that is invitational. So if you've ever been with someone who is in self-energy, who's in their God image, everything in you knows it, and all of your parts relax, and your self comes forward, Mm. right? Mm. Because it's invitational, and you know it, and people don't even have to say a word. There's literally an embodied experience, and you don't even have to know the person very well if you've ever been with someone who brings that kind of God image energy, you know, yeah, because A, it's rare mm-hmm. and B, everything in you resonates safety. Mm-hmm.
2: So good. But
0: when people are in parts, we know it, even if what they're saying, like they maybe they have a spiritualizer part up that sounds a lot like the God image and tries and is acting like the God image, you know, volunteering and serving on BBS and, you know, <laughs> going on mission trips but it, it's it got judgment behind it. Yeah. It's got shaming. Yeah. Your parts know it and you're going to get a part up that's guarded,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. We're, we're likely to then start masking and hiding certain parts of ourselves and only showing up with the shiny ones that are going to be well-received mm-hmm. because our parts know it. We can yeah. sense it. Mm-hmm. There's not safety present mm-hmm. and there's a very different experience of being of being in the presence of someone who's resonating and embodying that God image mm. um, and and someone who's in a part and we know it in our marriages, yeah. we know it in our relationships and um, it is invitational. So the most effective thing we can do to invite our partner to be in their God image is to be in our own God image. I
1: love mm. that. You heard it. It's wisdom. Yeah. Couples remember that. It's so helpful. I call it, you know, what, what part of you is driving the bus? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and it's so helpful to speak out of your part. It's actually very liberating to to recognize, hey, this there is an angry part right now mm-hmm. yeah. in me that's trying to tell you off.
0: <laughs> speak yeah. for that part.
1: But yeah. here, this other part, I'm choosing to, or I'm choosing to be present right now and. Mm-hmm and talk through this with you. Yes. <laughs> so yes. helpful. Very, very helpful. This is something you have to practice, though. This isn't something that just comes, I think. Yeah. You have to really focus. Thank you so much for all of this, all your wisdom and the time you spent um, with us today. Thank you. Uh, we want to ask you, where could people learn more about the system? Where could people learn more about you and what you do? Um, and maybe start... By, Tell us about a little bit about your book for just a second. Yes.
0: <laughs> I'd love to. So, my book is called All Together You Experiencing Personal and Spiritual Transformation Through Internal Family Systems Therapy, which is a mouthful. So, All Together <laughs> You is the main title. And um, that's available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And um, I actually, on my website, which is called MoveToward.com,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You can find all kinds of additional information and free resources. I have lots and lots of guided meditations. For awesome. anything that you might be struggling with, uh, everything from sex addiction to betrayal trauma to anxiety to depression, nice. I have free meditations available that people are welcome oh. to take advantage of, as well as on Insight Timer, which is also free.
2: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: nice. I have a video workshop where I literally teach through the content of the book that people can do on demand. Oh, very good. So, That's available. And I've got links. So if you want to do this work yourself, I have the largest that I'm aware of Christian IFS therapist list um, in the world. As far as I know, it's a huge list and Mm -hmm. you can connect with a a Christian therapist who does this work in your area. That's Um, fantastic. And there's also links to the IFS Institute, which is where you can Find all kinds of information on internal family systems. Um, I have book recommendations, lots and lots of podcasts. I've got one where I do a a webinar with the developer of the model, who's a mentor of mine and a dear friend. Very awesome. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of free resources there that I make available for people to enjoy. So, move toward.com, and the book is all together you. And it has, awesome. I wanted the book to be really application oriented. So, I wrote it as if we were sitting down in Starbucks together, having a latte, just, you know, kind of talking about this. And then each chapter has discussion questions, which are great for small groups mm-hmm. um, and exercises that you can actually experience this yourself
2: so good it's even great just for couples so if if a couple is listening or if you're listening and you send this episode to your spouse for them to listen as well and you guys just want to you know get practical with this method you can get the book and then at the end of each chapter there are those discussion questions that you guys can answer together and i think it will really bring the two of you closer yes and bring a lot of healing. So, we'll link that in the show notes altogether you, you can grab the book on Amazon and then we'll also put the resources that Jenna just mentioned, so move toward.com and the Christian IFS therapist list. So, thank you so much, Jenna. We're going to close out the episode and we're going to ask you the same question that we ask everyone when we close and that is rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. You've been married, you said almost 30 years?
0: Almost 30 years. Wow. Hard to believe. So rewind back
2: to a few decades ago and ask yourself, what advice do I wish I would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple.
0: Mm, I love that. Dear young married couple, please know that all parts of you are good and all parts of you are welcome and you can resolve any conflict by speaking for your parts rather than from them. From your inherently positive god image within you
2: beautiful thank you so much jenna it's thank been an honor to have you on
1: it really has thank been.
0: you great to be with you both all right friends we really
1: hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation and if you want help if you want personal guidance
2: And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.